It's time for our monthly appearance by Dr. Bernice Shafarik from Shafarik Dental on Route 66 East in Columbia. As our topic for this month is the mental dental connection, something perhaps many of us have not considered before. Bernice, good morning. What is the mental dental connection? Good morning, Wayne. So definitely um, there is an association between oral health and mental health that has been well documented. And unfortunately, I think COVID has amplified this issue. So those of us in dentistry are seeing a lot of effects of the stress that COVID has caused on people's oral health. So there are things like routines changed so that people are less attentive to taking care of their heat, their oral health, their oral hygiene. Uh, Things like clenching and grinding, we've seen a lot more vertical fractures of teeth, which is really sad because you end up losing that tooth. So it's definitely been amplified, so it made me want to delve a little deeper into this topic. All righty, well, throw some stats my way about why this is a thing. So um, you have said in the past, Wayne, that I like my statistics, and I just want to throw out there that I run into a lot of people who tell me they've researched a topic, and I know you can utilize statistics to color an issue, but when I look at research, they are studies that actually compare apples to apples instead of comparing two things that are not related. Because if we don't look at studies that are conducted that way and the statistics that come out of them, we're stuck with, oh, well, you know, my neighbor had a problem, and now I bet I'm going to have that problem. And that's not really an accurate way of looking at it. So long-winded answer, there are um, there have been studies that have studied dental anxiety as a mental health issue, and 58.8% of the people that they looked at in this study did have dental anxiety. So I can tell you that it is pretty prevalent. So today we're going to talk about both mental health issues because I'm afraid there's still a lot of stigma around mental health illness. People are still kind of not wanting to write it on their medical history, and then they'll write medications they're taking. So then I have to go into now why is that being prescribed? And very often it's a generalized anxiety disorder or it's depression, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with admitting that you do have a disease. It's a disease like any other. So 58% of the subjects did report dental anxiety, but people who have actually been diagnosed with certain mental health conditions like depression, two-thirds of those people reported having a toothache in the past year. So we'll delve a little deeper into that, but depression is difficult because it changes your attitude and your motivation to take care of things. So you may end up with a toothache and not address it because you're just in a state where it's hard for you to get that get up and go to deal with a problem. There have also been many reports I've seen that people with severe mental health conditions are 2.7 times more likely to lose all of their teeth. So that was a striking statistic for me 
because we're not talking about losing one tooth. We're talking about losing all of your teeth. And then the um, last one that I found striking is that there was actually a, a, a review that showed a very strong link between gum and bone infections and mood conditions like stress, distress, anxiety, depression, and eating disorders. All of those conditions seem to lead to more gum disease. Well, when you use that phrase, dental anxiety, one thing comes to mind, Bernice, and that's the fact that we've talked about that long before there was a COVID pandemic. So this is not something that the pandemic brought on. Well, I think as as is true with many other things, the pandemic amplified issues. So what happens is I think, so there are some people who have a very specific dental anxiety and for whatever reason, you know, maybe past traumatic experience, something like that, they have an anxiety about dentistry. Now, COVID comes along and they start thinking, oh, you know, I really don't want to go to the dentist because what if I get COVID? So it really has amplified the problem. Then there are multiple issues that happened during the pandemic, like changes in routine. All of a sudden, you know, people had, let's say, their, their routine of, of dropping the kids off at daycare, going to work, coming home, and that routine included whatever oral health care they had. It included regular meal times. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic came along, and a lot of people no longer had those routines. So clearly, things like snacking and weight gain and, and um, some habits that are pretty destructive to your oral health, like smoking or alcohol, those became more prevalent because of the pandemic. So we did have a whole population with dental anxiety before, but it definitely has amplified things. Well, that leads us into how people deal with that. What type of stress coping strategies do they have? So, uh, depending on the particular condition. So, let's say somebody uh, has a uh, substance abuse disorder, like smoking or alcohol, Um when you are drinking alcohol on a regular basis, it definitely has an impact on your nutrition. It has an impact on how you metabolize certain vitamins. Your So I uh, actually was reading an article about how in the United States, most frequently, if if you see malnutrition, in our country it's most often associated with alcoholism. So besides the fact that alcohol has a lot of sugar, you're basically bathing your teeth in sugar and acid. Um, People also change their eating habits. So you're not like eating a regular... If you are eating dinner and you have a glass of wine, that's very different from, I've had a really tough day, I can't stand this you know, pandemic, my life is turned upside down, I'm just going to sit down and drink some alcohol. So those things have definitely changed, and snacking happens more often just because, not just with the alcohol disorder, but 
if you're home and you have access, people tend to turn to that comfort of food. And again, your normal routines changed. If you were at work, it would be harder to snack the way that you can at home. And snacking definitely changes your oral health. And then snacking most often will get you to gain weight and you feel you feel worse about yourself. And sometimes that leads to the things we talked about, like depression. So you not, you're not as attentive to your oral health care. And that leads to maybe having bad breath or having decay or losing or breaking a tooth. And then you don't really want to go out and socialize. So I have a, um, a patient who was a terrific example of this. She um, saw on my website that I do offer um, sedation for dentistry. So it's, it's oral sedation, and you basically are calm enough to get through your procedures, but you don't really remember anything afterwards. So it's a great tool to help people who really have severe dental anxiety. And she knew that about herself. So it had been a long time. But then during the pandemic, she ended up breaking some teeth. And so there were only roots left. And she actually came to me when the mask mandates were lifted and people were not wearing masks as much because she said, you know, I've realized that I have socially excluded myself because I don't like the way that my mouth looks, and it was okay when we were wearing masks, but now I really want to be part of the social scene again and visit friends and feel comfortable smiling, and I can't do that until I address my dental problems. Do people cope with stress by maybe abusing medications? So there's that. There is abusing medications, but um, there is also people who actually have been diagnosed with a mental health disorder, whichever that might be, and often they are prescribed medications, and those medications have a lot of side effects. So it's super important if you have a diagnosis and you are prescribed a medication to ask the pharmacist and your healthcare provider what kind of side effects there are. So the side effect we see most often with some of these medications, and they're the anti-anxiety, the antipsychotic, a lot of those medications decrease the flow of saliva. Now, the good news is it's really an effect that's associated with the medication. So it's actually not changing your salivary glands so they are capable of producing saliva. It's just that while you're taking the medication, that function is suppressed. So saliva does a lot of very important things. It bathes the teeth, and it helps prevent cavities and gum and bone infection. The other thing it does is in, it increases your immune function. So when we see people who have very dry mouths. Now, that we're talking about medications that cause that, but I think as anyone who has 
taken advantage of too much alcohol at one point, you know that it does dry your mouth out also. Coffee can dry your mouth out. Smoking can dry your mouth out. So all of those things will decrease your immune function. So then we start to see uh, what we call opportunistic infections. So those are yeast infections or um, sometimes you'll see people will get that crusting kind of at the side of their lips and that can be associated with an infection due to the use of medications. Another important one that I became aware of when I was going through my courses for the diplomat status in the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine is that some of these medications will actually increase your tendency to clench and grind. And so people who have used clenching and grinding as a stress coping mechanism, a lot of them do it unwittingly because I spend a lot of my time with new patients talking about how your teeth are not supposed to be together, lips together, teeth apart, and then I will have people come back to me and say, you know, I do do that. So they're not really aware of it, but there are certain medications that it can increase that, especially at night. So then we will see the ill effects of that pretty clearly, and that can lead to some of those consequences that aren't great, like vertical fracture of teeth. So medication use, very important to know what the side effects are. Do you get diplomat plates, by the way, with your diplomat status? How does that work? This lovely certificate, and you get to pay more to belong to the organization because you now have the status that you have. Well, that's a win-win. Well, you're talking about changing use of medications as a stress-coping strategy for dental anxiety. You're talking both over-the-counter and prescription medications? So over-the-counter, you have to be very careful because um, if you overutilize medications, then they can have the same effect. And especially if you are taking a prescription medication, there are a lot of medications that use the same breakdown mechanism as things like ibuprofen or Tylenol. So if you are taking some of those over-the-counter medications with your prescription medication, then you can end up basically with an overdose or not metabolizing the medication. So there's too much in your bloodstream. So I think an important thing to remember is anything you put into your body will have an effect. It can't even be things like, let's say, people decide to take supplements or vitamins. Well, a lot of those um, have to be metabolized in a certain way, and some of the medications may interfere with that. So it's, I believe, it's safest to be working with a healthcare professional. So there are a lot of naturopathic physicians and they are prescribing some great supplements, but I trust that they're looking at the patient's entire medical history and the whole gamut of what they're taking and then prescribing appropriately. So that's fine, or if you're a nutritionist or dietitian or your dentist, because we're looking at your medical history so we can tell, then you're probably safe. But if you decide to just, 
well, I saw this ad on TV about this medication or supplement that's going to make me feel better, and I'm just going to go ahead and take that, then you could have more consequences. Another great source is the pharmacist. You know, they should have, if you go to the same pharmacy regularly, then they have access to all of the, they know which medications you're taking. So if you decide, you know, somebody told me that I should take this medication because it'll make my bones stronger and it's over the counter, run that by the pharmacist who knows what else you're taking. And are there people who deal with stress by paying less attention to their daily routines? Definitely. And so I actually had a patient, and it was very poignant to hear his description. You know, he said, and I always admire when people share their histories with me because there is a stigma about mental health conditions. I mean, I think until the very recent times, it was kind of like, well, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You know, you don't have to be depressed. You just need to have a better outlook or you don't have to drink alcohol. You should just stop. You know, those are just not realistic views of the things people are struggling with. So this patient did say to me, you know, I struggle with depression. And frankly, I have to say, when I'm at my worst, I really don't want to do anything. And he definitely has um, issues with bone and gum infection and, you know, I worry about him losing his teeth, but on the other hand, I think as a health care provider, I need to be empathetic to his whole situation. You know, if he's having trouble finding the motivation to even get out of bed or do anything that makes him feel good, I'm not going to harp on flossing. You know, that's just not appropriate in that situation. But he's one who directly shared with me that he sees that impact on his life. And so then it becomes a discussion of, well, you know, I see you are dealing with your physician. Maybe you should review your medications. Are they really helping you? Or maybe there's some counseling that you should look at. Or, you know, maybe take the dogs on a walk more often. You know, whatever it takes to help you feel feel better is something that is um, appropriate, but definitely our daily routines make it a lot easier to stay healthy. So I think we all know that exercise is important. So if it's a part of our daily routine, then it can be really helpful. The pandemic definitely changed that, you know, and it, it all depends on where you live. I think in eastern Connecticut, we are luckier. I mean, we have the airline trail. You can go out for a walk and you're outside. And even during the mask wearing periods, you could stay far enough away from each other. If you live in the city and, you know, your go-to was to get on the subway and go to some mall or park, then all of a sudden you were in close quarters and it made it a lot more difficult. So, it's a challenge to keep to your daily routine, and when you don't, it definitely has an impact on both your mental health and your oral health. And we're discussing the mental-dental connection with Dr. Bernice Shafarik from Shafarik Dental in Columbia. Are there mental health disorders that affect oral health? Yes, and, you know, there's a lot of time could be spent on talking about all of these, but, you know, there's different categories. So there are mood disorders like bipolar 
disorder, major depressive disorder, and there are things like schizophrenia, and all of those are ones that most often you do have to be taking medications to try to control them, and that can influence your oral health, as we talked about with dry mouth especially or grinding, but there's also often... um, hopefully, a uh, counseling component to that. And when people are dealing with these very severe kind of disorders, you know, it's hard to add one more thing. So if they're part of the 58% of the population that has dental anxiety, they may be in a place where their psychologist is saying, let's get you to a place where you can you know, get up and go to work in the morning so that having to go to your dental appointment is just one more thing that perhaps they can't deal with. So then it becomes very important to pay attention to what you're doing at home as far as as oral health goes. You know, and then there are disorders like um, autism that, you know, definitely there's a sensory component. And we do a lot of things in a dental office that are a little bit challenging for someone who is very sensitive to sensory issues. So, you know, we make noise with the drill. There are certain smells of a dental office that people are very sensitive to. And I try to have a conversation always at our new patient exam of, you know, I see you've listed this disorder. What can we do to help? And The good news is a lot of people out there have worked out some strategies to to help themselves and get through what they need to to try and stay healthy. But again, the pandemic did kind of throw a loop in all of that because even the regular interactions with your providers became much more difficult. You know, there are people who maybe had a great relationship with their psychiatrist or psychologist, and all of a sudden it was a telephone call or a Zoom meeting. And that's an adaptation you have to make that's not not easy for some people who struggle with mental health issues. Let me change gears a little bit from the mental-dental connection to the Seroptimist of Willimantic, and you have a back-to-school backpack project for next week. Do tell. So that's a yearly project we have, and I'm just going to throw out there also, for your mental health, volunteering is always a great activity to make you feel better. So we collect products, back-to-school products, and, you know, they they need everything nowadays because schools don't furnish very much. So what you can do is drop any, if you want to make a donation of notebooks or uh, markers or a backpack or whatever, you could drop it off at the Liberty Bank in Willimantic because Marianne Gorgoni, who is our president, works there. And so she can collect those things. And then on August 9th, we will be meeting at Joan Merritt's house in Lebanon at 530, and that's 459 Goshen Hill Road. And if anybody wants further information, you can always go on our Facebook page and and ask a a question. Um, And so we will be putting together backpacks, and most often we give them to many different um, organizations, but one that I always feel is super important is a lot of people are gearing into the start of the school year, but we deal with women who 
are victims of domestic violence, and they may all of a sudden have to leave their situation and end up in a shelter. So we always make sure there are backpacks because their kids, you know, may all of a sudden have to change school system and leave everything behind. So we need to make sure they have the supplies they need to be successful at school. So who are eligible, who is eligible for these backpacks? Um, so we do, I think, I, I'm not sure of the exact whole list of who we give them to, but we usually make from 10 to 20 backpacks, and we do give them to United Services so that they can provide them to domestic violence shelters. And I think we do provide some to other uh, social services where they have a need. We've talked at length this morning about dental anxiety, and we've talked about mental health disorders that affect oral health. You've got a few more of those to talk about and maybe get some details on, Bernice. Specifically, what are you talking about when you talk about the effect of mental health disorders on oral health? So specifically, we're talking about actually two different things. One is the medication effect of people who are taking medications for their um, disorder or the coping strategies that they're using with their disorder. And some of the coping strategies can be very destructive sometimes. So if somebody has a substance abuse disorder, and once I looked that up for sort of a formal definition of what the substance abuse disorders are, there's really a lot more than than you actually may be aware of. I think most of us think about alcohol and opioids, because that's really been in the news, or nicotine, but it's also benzodiazepines, which are things like Valium and those anti-anxiety medications, and cannabis. You know, marijuana has become a substance use disorder in some people's lives also, cocaine and methamphetamines. Now, a lot of those substance abuses lead to what we talked about with dry mouth, but they also increase snacking. And I think that I have heard that personally from people that, oh, you know, when I drink alcohol, I tend to eat more junk food. It just seems to go along with that. And with patients that I've seen in my career who have a methamphetamine disorder, you know, that is um, closely associated with total oral destruction. I mean, they get decay everywhere. So it's a combination of the abuse of the methamphetamines, and it also is they tend to do things like drink Mountain Dew. And Mountain Dew is probably as bad as it gets for your oral health. And again, you know, if you were someone who just really loves Mountain Dew and you really want to drink a can of Mountain Dew a day, then if you had a straw, if you drank it with a meal, those uses are way better than if you've got, you know, this extra large bottle next to you and you're sipping on it all day long. So in general, it's always wise to have a trusted dental professional that you can ask about these things. And I understand how difficult that sometimes is because because of the things that my patients tell me. So recently we've had a, a few new patients call in and tell me things that are very disturbing to me. So one of them talked about how her dentist was very dismissive. You know, that, and that is 
very unkind. You know, it basically she was made to feel as if her concerns weren't important, that the dentist would tell her what she needed to do and don't waste my time, basically. Now, for me, that's very unkind to somebody who may have trouble even talking about their issues because they may have dental anxiety. So if they come to a point where they're really willing to share those things with me, I just really need to drop everything and listen. And I think that we as healthcare professionals can be very understanding. We don't have to have been through what the patient has been through, but we have an obligation to be empathetic especially in areas of mental illness or substance abuse disorders because they already know that the whole world thinks that there's something bad about their habit. So they they already walk in with that sensation. So we really, really need to work hard not to add to that angst. And what's the role of eating disorders? Just in general, a lot of people have one form or another of those. Right. So uh, when they uh, studied bulimics, so eating disorders, basically we have anorexia and um, bulimia. And bulimia is um, that habitual vomiting to try to decrease weight is the bottom line. And that, as a habit, is very destructive. So the percentages of people who have decay with, uh, and actually, I'll I'll just uh, go there for a minute. Cavities is what everybody talks about. And in a way, that's a good term because decay is when bacteria have caused the damage. So it's kind of rotted away at your teeth. But there are... If there's a cavity, if you feel a hole in your tooth, it could be something else. So one of the something else's is erosion. So if you expose your teeth to acid, it'll eat away at the enamel. And then you'll have the inner layer of your tooth exposed, which is sensitive and also can decay a lot faster once if you get bacteria there. We also have habits that cause cavities to form. So one mental illness that we haven't really talked about is obsessive compulsive disorders. And sometimes those people are just so aggressive about their brushing that they will actually wear away at their teeth. Another uh, group that can tend to do that are the anorexics because they tend to be hyper fastidious about things. So they're super careful about anything that they eat. I mean, I've watched people who are anorexic cut away every little bit of fat on a piece of meat and take the time and attention to do that. So they tend to take better care of their teeth, but if they're brushing too often and too hard, they can cause damage. And then the last type of cavity that we can see is when people wear away their teeth because they're clenching and grinding. And so most mental health illnesses can be associated with one of those things. And eating disorders in particular, especially bulimia, we do see erosion. So that's something to definitely be aware of. We've talked this morning so much about dental anxiety or spinoff effects of it. Are there 
fears related to dental anxiety? So um, there are a lot of people who do experience dental anxiety. There are some people who don't, and they have a lot of trouble understanding you know, what the big deal is sometimes. And I even have patients who will come in and say, you know, I get very anxious about dentistry, and we'll explore that because sometimes it's an early traumatic experience, and people will tell me that. They'll say, I had to have all these baby teeth out, and they didn't use enough Novocaine, or, you know, they have a history of something like that that they remember. Or um, they remember being forced uh, to go through dental treatment, so somebody held them down. So that's complete lack of control. And sometimes those people will tell you, oh, I got kicked out of the dental office because I bit the dentist or something like that. So that is... Do you have people actually biting you? Well, these I've only actually had that happen once, and it was in dental school. And it was kind of a shock because it was... You know, we have to do uh, rotations in the different areas of dentistry, and one of them is pediatric dentistry. And I had these twins. They were five years old. And the first twin came in, and she was a little angel. She was perfect. And so I was not prepared for the second twin, who immediately decided to bite me. And, you know, now, 35 years of experience later, I understand that... She was trying to establish control, you know, that she, because, you know, there was very little I could do at that point. But there are history, especially as kids, they'll do that, you know, and it just reminds me of when parents, you know, they get really upset when their infants, like, cry in church. And my feeling about that is, you know, they have very little options. You know, infants can't, like, tell you, you know, I'm having some pain, or I'm hungry, or I'm this, or... So they cry, because that's their only, really, means of communication. And so if there's a child who feels like nobody's listening to me, and I'm going to bite somebody just to get a reaction, um, then, you know, I can see why they... It's not pleasant, but I can see why they would do that. But sometimes the dental anxiety comes from that, and sometimes people tell me, I just really have no idea why I'm so anxious. And sometimes it will come out, and I've had this experience, too, where um, I had a woman come in, and she was already pretty anxious about dentistry. She had had two crowns placed when she was pretty young. So that I understand right away. That can be anxiety-filled because there were front teeth. And so you're 13, 14, you're worried about the way you look, and all of a sudden you're wearing temporary crowns, and they may have fallen off. And, you know, so she struggled with that for about 30 years. She had these crowns, and they clearly had to be replaced. It took so much conversation to get her to a place where she would trust me to do that. And the main problem we were having is she, in her workplace, when people heard that she had to go get crowns off, they started telling her all these incredibly awful descriptions, things like, well, you know, they get a hammer out and they bang off the crown and you're going to be in excruciating pain. And she said, you know, she'd come in and they would, like, imitate sounds of the drill. So all of that, to me, is in the bullying category. And I'm not sure why anyone would do that to somebody else. You know, I think sometimes people will say, well, you know, it was just a joke. But 
if people tell you things like that, because I've seen it with young children, too, where they'll come in and their friends have told them it's going to hurt, it's going to be unpleasant. So peer pressure has an influence that you don't even realize sometimes. So that's, that's not a good thing that um, people do to increase dental anxiety. And then there's just the aspect of, you know, the tools we have to use. You know, there's a noise to the drill. And so to try to counteract that, we have lots of distraction techniques in my office. I have the massage feature and the heat feature in the chair. And a lot of people enjoy that because it gives them something else to concentrate on. And a lot of people do like massage in general. And the other thing about the massage in our chair is I actually hand the patient the remote control because it goes off every 15 minutes. So they're in control. So there's something that they can do and hang on to. That's pretty cool. I agree. The other thing, too, about the, the bullying thing, I've never heard anybody doing that, but it sounds like a pretty awful thing to do. Now, I don't know anybody that likes to get the big needle when they're in the dentist chair, whether it's lidocaine, novocaine, whatever they call it. Of course, the way I look at it is it's the lesser of two evils. I'd rather get that versus dental procedure without any at all. But is there an injection phobia with some patients? Yes. You know, there's, and it's not just dental infections, although sometimes it's more dental infections. But some people just have, they call themselves needle phobics. And that's where it was just so frustrating for me to see those ads on TV where they would actually show the physical injection of the vaccine. I mean, there's no need to do that. And most of us in dentistry who really care about our patients work really hard for you not to look at the needle because it's, it's not necessary. The other innovations that we have are creams that we can put on your gum, and that's super helpful to um, control that discomfort of the injection. And we actually came across a solution. Um, that its brand name was Best Anesthetic Ever, which was a great name, but it was manufactured in California. And during COVID, all of a sudden, they restricted it to only California residents. So we were able to actually get the ingredients and get our local pharmacy in Willimantic to compound it for us. And it's great because it actually acts for quite a while and it penetrates the membranes so that you I mean, I have had people question me if I actually gave the injection because they didn't feel it. Of course, you also have to try to be as gentle as possible. But that being said, there are still patients I have who it doesn't really matter what I do. It is a phobia for them. And, you know, sometimes that necessitates medication with something to relax them and I know I have not actually participated in this but I was reading that there are some uh, muscle relaxation techniques that um, psychologists are teaching patients to help them deal with that but I can tell you that when you have someone and most often I'm lucky enough that they will let me know ahead of time that you know they do have this issue but I will do an injection, and people either during, before, or after will basically start to cry. And it's that emotional attachment to this um, 
something in their mind that is very uncomfortable and and has has been a problem forever. So you have to be really conscious of that. So we do have a reasonable amount of people, too, who are comfortable holding the hand of the assistant. And, you know, luckily I have always had assistants who are willing to go the extra mile. And we've talked about everything from dental anxiety to eating disorders this morning and how people cope with dental anxiety. Bernice, are there negative effects of coping habits? Yes, we clearly do do see those. So the substance abuse and the increased snacking that we've seen with um, with COVID especially do lead to uh, increased decay. So with snacking habits, important thing to remember, it's not just sugar. So with the kids, if you're giving them goldfish, that sits on their teeth and gets changed to sugars and can cause decay. So snacking in itself is not a good option unless you're snacking on something like carrot sticks or celery sticks. And anytime you're doing something with carbohydrates, it is a good idea to mix that with a protein because physically it doesn't sit in your mouth for as long. So that's one coping mechanism, eating, that has increased um, dental disease. I think goldfish and Mountain Dew stock have taken a big hit today. But on the other hand, I think it's good that you're singling out individual popular products that maybe parents should be aware of to kind of back off a little bit as far as what they give the kids. Well, you know, I think it's so important, and actually um, I did have a, a conversation with a pediatric dentist, and that's sort of her pet peeve because, you know, it, it's unwittingly parents think, well, goldfish are okay. You know, there's no sugar. They can, it'll just keep them quiet, and they'll just snack. So there's a lot of reasons why that's not a great idea. And I think a lot of people really understand, especially parents who really want the best for their children, understand the connection of, you know, you shouldn't let them snack on gummy bears or something like that. But in general, anything that sticks to the top of the teeth, and goldfish are in that category, potato chips are in that category, crackers, any of that kind of stuff can cause problems also, and I think people just aren't as aware of that. So I think in the past, you know, as a parent, you thought that juice was a fine idea, and now we've realized you either need to water down the juice or or drink it with a meal or drink it through a straw. So um, for the people out there who I really think are trying their hardest to to have their kids have a great start in life, that's a good thing to remember about the goldfish. Well, Bernice, we've talked about some negative stuff today, dental anxiety and the like. I think you should wrap things up with some positives and some recommendations for improving oral and mental health. So I think that um, the first order of business is to really recognize that there are things that increase our stress level. But also, on a positive note, there are a lot of things we can do to help combat that. So there's the basics that I think a lot of us heard from our grandparents or great-grandparents, you know, things like exercise. So the wonderful thing about exercise is that, especially if if you're going outside to exercise, you uh, get a totally different perspective. You know, if you're 
working from home, for example, and you're seated in front of that computer, you know, your posture is not going to be great. And it almost feels, I think, for some people as if they're sort of locked into that computer. Those of us who are in a workplace that's not remote have that potential of, for example, doing something that's really healthy for us mentally, which is to eat lunch with our coworkers. So eating lunch, going out for a walk, you know, maybe if you're working from home, arrange to meet a friend for lunch, or just have lunch or dinner with your family members, take a break, turn off the uh, the devices, the TV and, and the phones and all of that. I have a, a young friend who has a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and she and her husband have now both moved to working remote. And it was a planned kind of thing because it really saves on the distance they were traveling so they have more time with their kids. They still do have the kids in daycare, but because they're both working at home, they are able to go out on their deck at lunchtime and share lunch. And she has told me, you know, that really makes a big difference in her workday to be able to do that. So there's a lot of things we need to to do to help ourselves. And one is also to recognize that you can take control of your stress. I mean, I I have a lot of patients who will come in, and and my hygienist is, is super sympathetic, so she will listen to what's going on in their lives. And there's a lot of people who will say, you know, I'm just so stressed out. So there are things that you can't control. So, for example, if you're in that sandwich generation of having children that you care about and have to nurture and also having a parent who has a health issue or maybe has dementia. That's a really tough place to be. But that means it's all the more important for you to be able to take take some time for yourself to implement exercise or relaxation. And it's also perfectly fine to talk to your health care providers. You know, you need to find someone who's empathetic and Lately, I've had a lot of patients tell me that they're having trouble finding a health care provider because people aren't accepting new patients or you try to schedule an appointment and it's a year ahead. Um, you know, those are difficult issues, but you want to try to do the best that you can. You know, use all of your resources. When people come in to us, you know, and they express that they have a stress issue or they might have an addiction issue, you know, we're, we're here to help you find somebody, you know, use the network of providers, counselors. Sometimes there's just volunteer organizations that, that can help you. Um, but what I really don't want people to do is, is to sit at home and suffer. And the other thing that I think is difficult sometimes is when the stress just seems to get so overwhelming that you can't can't figure out a way to get away from it. So I think anyone, if you can, just drop that stress for a minute, go outside, walk around the block, you know, pet somebody else's dog, or if you have a pet, that's a great stress reliever also. But there are also some issues that you really can't deal with yourself. And so seeking advice, 
from people who you trust is always a good option. And when you refer to eating a well-balanced diet, I think we're talking primarily oral health here, not so much the overall body, although I realize they're hand-in-hand. But specifically, what are some aspects that would be good to be sure they are in your diet to promote good oral health? Well, you know, there's a, I forget, I think it's called the eating plate or something where you can go online and take a look. And it's a plate that has um, the different amounts of food groups that you should be eating. So this is a terrific time to go to a farmer's market and buy fresh lettuce and fresh vegetables. And, you know, I think that for even for people who are worried about their weight, for example, most diets will tell you, you know, you can eat a lot of cucumbers before you get much of a calorie impact. You know, and then you need to make sure that you have protein in your diet and fiber in your diet. You know, in general, whether we're talking about diet or mental health, balance is so important. When I was in dental school, I remember having a patient who told me, that she flossed six times a day. And that's too much. You know, that's, if you floss well, one time a day is enough. If you're someone who has some areas where food gets impacted, so sometimes when people have had an implant, you know, they're grateful because now they don't have a missing tooth and they can chew, but sometimes it's not the sh- same shape as your natural tooth. So you can get food caught. So after you eat a meal, flossing to remove that is fine. But spending an inordinate amount of your time on your oral health habit, that sort of verges on obsessive-compulsive behavior. And I think that balance is just so important in so many aspects of our lives. So, you know, we do have to work, but you need the work-play balance. You need to... Sometimes you need to schedule relaxation time. Sometimes it's a simple, I think, from what I've learned along the way, is just to take some time to be in the moment and just realize, wow, you know, it's a beautiful day out. I'm walking out to my car and it's a beautiful day. And I have to tell you, Wayne, it's, it's kind of funny that the original title for this show, The Mental Dental Connection, came from a seminar that I saw advertised in an article in a dental journal, but it basically was addressing dental professionals and how stressful our profession is and what kind of things we need to do to try to keep ourselves mentally healthy. So it really wasn't an article about patients and what I could offer them, but I thought, well, you know, this is important advice for me, but it's just as important for all of the patients I serve. And on page 42, it says, only floss the teeth you want to keep. Dr. Bernice Shafarik from Shafarik Dental in Columbia, 228-8492, discussing dental anxiety and the mental dental connection. Bernice, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Wayne. Have a good month.